share with whoever you know, the people you're close to. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, And I wonder if everything now is so stereotyped and conventional that independent thought is stifled early on. And if so, does school play a part in the stifling? I decided to ask the boys of Homewood House, near Tunbridge Wells, whether they accepted everything that their masters told them, or whether they were ready to strike out along an independent line. Why does snow fall down? It's water freezing. And it's too heavy to be held up by the atmosphere, so it falls down. Why, why does it fall down? This is the point. Gravity, yes. Now, what's gravity? Do you know? Yes, one at a time. What, what do you think gravity is? Well, it is, um, um, uh, as it says, a push or a pull, which makes things fall towards the earth. This, this is what you've been told, isn't it? Yes. Have you ever tried to prove it? Yes. Well, you thrust stone up in the air and it comes down again. I know it does. What would you say, for example, of someone who said that the universe ended in a blank wall? Would you think this was reasonable? No. What is illogical? Come on, you haven't had to say it yet. What do you think about it all? Well, if it does end at the wall, What's on the other side of the wall? Yes. There can't be, be just nothing. The There's got to be something. If, 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 on the other hand, if on the other hand the universe doesn't end, then it's got to go on forever, hasn't yes. it? Well, can yeah. you imagine that? No. Of course you can't. It's like a never-ending and never-beginning. Do you ever question this? I mean, do you ever think no. that? No. Do you ever think that everything that we are taught? I'm not talking about religion at the moment. Everything that we are taught about science, particularly, just could be wrong, and there may be some frightful flaw that nobody's thought about. Has that ever occurred to you? Something really fundamental. I mean, either mathematics or science itself, or anything you like. What would you say then? Any, any, any other? Well, the what molecule structure yes, might be wrong. Are. The molecule structure might yes. be wrong. I mean, um, the, molecule, the molecules that we know are based on carbon. Ah, now who's told you this? A science master. And you just accept it? Naturally, because I can't think of anything else that it could be made up of. I see. Well, that's a jolly good reason. Very fair. They think for themselves, but perhaps only within certain limits. We must accept some things, I know that, but there's a danger that we're going to turn into regimented sheep if we accept too much. Or have we already done it? We ain't seen no curvature All over this great big world They told me that we lived on a sphere Now it don't seem likely Well, is it like me? Stay up nightly, tip up the beat, oh so brightly. A sight we behold together, birds of a feather in bad weather, weather. We ain't seen no, we ain't seen no, we ain't seen no, we ain't seen no curvature. We see no curvature. We see no. We see no curvature. All over this great big world. You told me that we lived on a sphere. Now it's hashtag Fitbit. Hashtag Globex it. Cause we ain't seen no. I'ma hit you with the truth. Deja vu. Me and my crew always knew.
news Flying through the brute While they snooze to the news It's in our dues What we do We ain't seen no curvature We ain't seen no curvature We ain't seen no Flat Earth thing brings up certain questions, certain fundamental things in your reality. For example, when, this is the one that broke it down for me, and I bet you it's going to break it down for you. Observations that can't be made on a 25,000-mile ball circumference Earth. Certain observations can't be made. Where I live on Kauai, on a clear day, I can see Oahu. Oahu is 70 miles away. That's one degree of the Earth's curvature. The Earth's curvature drops away from you at 8 inches times the distance in miles squared. So, for example, at 9 miles, that's 54 feet. But as soon as you get to 30 miles, that's 600 feet. By the time it's 70 miles, it's 1,187 meters. Meters. So that means the bulge should come up in front of you, and I should see from Kauai only the tops of the mountains of Oahu. You don't see that. You see it all, all the way down to the coast. You see the whole island. Not possible on the model that we've been sold. That's the one that broke it down for me. Optically, it's one of the things you have to deal with. Optically, the world's flat. Whatever other than optic, you have to figure that out. But the water also corresponds to optical flatness, too. The water sits flat. Your eyesight sits flat. You see it optically flat. You can get any bit of optical equipment, like this guy had a great camera up here. That camera can prove to you conclusively that when a ship goes over the horizon, it never went over a curve because all you have to do is dial it in and it's still there. It doesn't go over a horizon. So the horizon is just going outside of your eye distance. So part of this whole thing about how we ended up with the whole ball earth theory is that we're super arrogant about our eyesight. The idea of being able to see a star that's 482 quadrillion miles away is so completely ridiculous is so bad. I just had to let that one go. It's like 482 quadrillion miles. No, sorry, your theory is wrong. We're not buying it. We're not believing it. All theories to test if the earth is moving or the heavens are moving indicate the heavens move, earth doesn't move. Foucault's pendulum that indicates the earth's moving, it switches direction during an eclipse. Does that mean the earth switched direction? Just stuff like this are just sold to us. You have to dig it apart. As soon as you have an observation, I'm 30 miles away from the international airport in Iceland. I'm across the water. I can see it. It's 30 miles away. It's 50 miles driving. So on my phone, I can see it's 30 miles away. I can see the airport. There it is. should be behind 600 feet of curvature. It's behind zero feet of curvature. You can't explain this stuff with a 25,000-mile ball Earth. Now, then what happens is you, as you dig into this, you start to go, well, what about NASA? What about these pictures we've seen? Now, as Americans, I've been doing this, and we did this in Costa Rica. We spent $3.3 trillion on NASA. That's what we're spending on this garbage. What do we get? We get 12 pictures of the Earth from space. 
when you dig into those pictures, they're not real pictures. They don't have the altitude to get the shot. So they're composites where they've been positioned together under framework that magnifies it. So they got a little picture going snap, 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 snap. And they put that together into a bigger picture. It's called a composite. That's what all those images are. Look into it by their own admission. You can't get the altitude to take the shot. It's been 60 years. We should have the altitude to take the shot. Or turn that Hubble telescope around and face it towards the Earth. And let's, let's watch the Earth spin in real time. And watch that. I want to know about the weather on the ball Earth that we're supposedly spinning around in a ball. I want to see the weather patterns from a satellite, supposed satellite that's up there, instead of composite images that are taken from close up that are pieced together to make it look like it's from far away. They're constructed. Then you start to dig into, well, who's behind all this stuff? What is this? Why do we get this garbage? And that's when you really hit the rabbit hole. That's when you really dig in. But the thing that's so important is your own observations have to corroborate all of it. If your observation doesn't correlate to their system, guess what's wrong? You or them. They sold you. They put this thing in front of you in school the first day. Fifth, you're five years old. You're in kindergarten. What do they put in front of you? They put in a globe and a Mercator projection of the Earth with Greenland's like bigger than Africa. Remember that map? Are these accurate? Is any map accurate? Is Google Earth accurate? Every cartographer will tell you that no map is accurate. Everything is, is out of whack by about 5 to 10%. Easy. So we could take other maps and say this is the Earth or that's the Earth. The way that NASA pictures puts all the satellite imagery into a composite image is a teardrop shape like that. Poles at the top and bottom. That's how they do it. Maybe there's something to the way they're doing that. Why are they using that shape? It's a teardrop shape. Two teardrops meeting each other. So at the tops are points. If the earth doesn't move, then what? Then the heavens move. Here's an observation. You got to make it. You got to get this observation yourself and, and come to deal with it. Because when you put all this together, you realize that we're in a rational, irrational situation. The sun's motion... And the sun's timing system can't be exactly correlated precisely with the moon's. The moon loses 12% on the sun every day. The stars lose 1% against the sun every day. So the sun's tick back 1% each day. 360 is a whole turnaround, but we have 365 days. When you start putting the sun's motion, the moon's motion, and the star's motion together, it's irrational. They don't make sense. So you end up with Mayan calendars is trying to get an accurate of where we're going into the future because these three clocks don't match up with each other. That indicates intelligence. That indicates that we're in a realm, not a planet. We're in a realm of some sort. Here's another observation. This one took me a while to understand this. I've been observing it, something you want to take in. As you get higher up in the atmosphere, the Earth at 20,000 feet should begin to pull away from you if we're on a 25,000-mile ball circumference Earth which means you should start to see the curvature and you should be able to optically measure it by snapping it to a grid in your camera. I haven't been able to make that observation. That's why the whole thing broke down on me. Here's what's interesting. Our world, we're supposed to be scientific. We're supposed to use the scientific method. That's what we're taught. If you use the scientific method, eventually you run into this. You can't question that. That's not questionable. That's just a fact. No, 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 no. We want to use a scientific method to evaluate this supposed fact. 
no, 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 you can't do that because that's a fact. Any field you run into, you'll find these suppositions. They're, they're built into it. So we're going to question the supposition that we're on a curved surface. We'll question it optically with that camera right there. In order to question it optically, we have to put the camera lens. We can't make a mistake and think that the lens of that camera is not going to affect our outcome because it will. The lens of your eye also affects the outcome. So that means the horizon has to be exactly at eye level and the horizon of your camera and the reticle at the center of the lens needs to snap to flat horizon right there. Then we go out to a peninsula right on the sea. You snap to flat horizon on a reticle in the middle of your camera and then you swing it to left and right, 30 to 40 miles that way or that way. That should drop off 600 feet on the edges. You should be able to detect some curvature with your camera. We are always surrounded our whole lives and always have been by a straight line that runs around us with no curvature around it. There's no optical curvature. Whatever that means for you, it's an observation you have to make. The observation we're told we should make is eight inches times the distance in miles squared. That's the fall off of the ball earth. You determine if that's something you observe. And when you stop observing that, then you still got to start questioning what is going on here? Because it's not fitting the model that we're sold that we're, oh, we're on a ball. Mars is a ball. Um, Venus is a ball. The sun's a ball. And we're going around that ball. Southern Hemisphere, anybody can prove this. You can take any data out you like, and it's like that on the Internet. Same latitude Southern Hemisphere is different from the Northern Hemisphere. S different sun movement. The sun moves faster in the Southern Hemisphere than in the Northern. There's no twilight in the Southern Hemisphere. There's no twilight in New Zealand. But as the summer progresses in the Northern Hemisphere, we have a twilight. The sun's still out at 9 or 10 p.m. The further north you are, 11 p.m., that sun is still visible little bit in the sky twilight not so in the southern hemisphere that can't be rectified on a symmetrical ball it indicates that the sun moves and we don't as far as i'm concerned my study of this heliocentric model is a nightmare complete garbage think about that but then i'll question basic assumptions which our system won't it doesn't want that it wants you to un be unable to question anything or any basic assumption so that we get sold whatever garbage sticks, and that becomes our ball model. I know we got Star Wars. I know we got Star Trek. That doesn't mean it's real. Those are like movies, TV shows. It's not real. What is real? Rational, irrational, both at the same time. The earth you move on is irrational. I defy anybody to come up with the answer to this riddle. You want to take a map and see if you can map this out? Take your flight from, and you're going to map this using just flight data, not given distances. So the flight data indicates it's a four and a half hour flight from Los Angeles to Honolulu. That's an average. You take the four and a half hour flight to Honolulu from Los Angeles. Honolulu, you fly to Taiwan. That's a, whatever, nine and a half hour flight, whatever that is, 10 hours. Just flight time only. You factor out wind direction, dominant wind direction. Then you map your way all the way around the whole world. Then you try to take all that data and put it into a grid and make it make sense. You don't need data that they give you. You can do it all by flight times and given airports and their distance from each other. We did that. What it indicates is an irrational object. It doesn't indicate a ball. It doesn't indicate a flat surface. It indicates, an it indicates a number of possibilities of what the Earth really is, its shape.
but it's not going to fit a perfect Google Earth, that's for sure. Why don't airports, when you land one way, take into account the Earth spinning or moving like you're landing on an asteroid? Pilots don't take that into account ever. The direction of the airport is old. There's only one thing that determines it, and that's the dominant wind direction. Not any movement. If it's a north-south runway and you're trying to land on it, the Earth's supposedly spinning from the east to the west, so it's moving on you. And as you come down and you're up in the angular velocity of the atmosphere, your angular velocity from the Earth changed, so you have to then land on an asteroid, a moving target. No such calculations are ever made, ever. Doesn't you talk to any pilot. A, a pilot uses its attitude adjustment, which is the gyroscope in the middle. It's the ball with the, that snaps to flat horizon. I had the top military pilot from Dubai. I said, your attitude snaps to flat horizon. Explain that for me. So there's only one way to explain it, and that is we're not flying over a curved surface. He was trained since he was seven years old by the British military to fly at one meter above the ground in a jet. One meter above the ground in a jet. If the earth is curving at all and you're not snapped to flat horizon, if you go even a bit down, you're dead in a, in a millisecond. If you go up, you're flying into outer space. Every plane should fly into outer space if, in fact, that attitude is going around a ball. But it snaps to flat horizon because the horizon doesn't actually move up on you or down. Optically, it's flat, and it's also how you fly it, too. So those are, that's evidence to me. And that evidence eventually starts to break it down for you. All of this stuff that you'll hear, people will go, it's flat. Nope, you're just going to get us into another trap, just like the ball got us into a trap. We have evidence. So what we say is, as far as we know now, as far as we know, it's this. As far as we know, it's that. Here's our observations. They lead to this. Copernicus's third observation is left out of history books. What he said in order to have the heliocentric model and the Earth going around it is that the rotations of the planets and the sun counter-rotate against the Earth so we don't appear to notice any change in movement. They just left that one out. We never heard about that one. So instead we got, oh no, the stars don't move because they're 482 quadrillion miles away. Or 3.8 trillion miles away. How about they move and we don't move? Feel into that one. Our grid systems, our latitude and longitude is based on the sun and the north star. Maybe that isn't the top of the world. That's just where the North Star is. When the North Star is directly above you, you're at the North Pole. Does that mean you're at the top of the world? It just means you're following some star chart pattern. may not necessarily have anything to do with what's going on down here. very good term that I've dug out of this stuff is the pole of inaccessibility. Anybody ever heard of that? The coldest place in Antarctica, the hardest place to reach, a, re a place that's never been reached from two directions at once. You can only go into it one way and then back out the other way, which ought to tell you something. It would go back out the way you came. You go in one way, you have to go back out the way you came. It's called the Pole of Inaccessibility. In the South Pole, it's the coldest place on Earth, the most difficult place on Earth to reach. In the North Pole, it's not the northern region. It's not the North Pole. It's above Green, it's above um, Alaska and Russia. It's above the Bering Strait. Straight up there at 85 degrees latitude above the Bering Strait is the coldest and most difficult spot to reach on, in the northern part of the world. What does this mean? Something to investigate. More questions. One other thing I want to say is about the symmetry, symmetry of the world. In the northern hemisphere, the tree line ends at the 74th parallel. 
In the southern, the 56th parallel. Comparing the, the flora and fauna of Iceland, for example, which is from 62 to 66 degrees of latitude, with 62 to 66 degrees of latitude in the Antarctic Peninsula, that doesn't correlate. They don't match each other. Not in any way. Not even in the time that the sun rises and sets in equivalent times of the year. It indicates we're not on a ball, a perfect symmetrical ball going around. So that's more a bit of evidence that I can correlate myself. I can make those observations and then I can come to conclusions. That's where we're at with all this stuff. Do we know anything? No. As far as we know now, we think it's this, but then we have this evidence too. We need to look at all the evidence because the evidence is going to conflict. That's the nature of the rational, irrational world. Every single new place I come back home They accept me with grace yeah. When I know that I was meant to be here And I know that I was born into fear But I will stand tall in the lion's den Cause I know in my heart I am one of them That there lies in the facets of everything that we see That are telling us to be scared When all we ever are is free I'm letting go of the things that don't serve me no more Cause I am holy and sacred and righteous and true And I deserve to be here and so do you Said I deserve to be here But I'm in a constant transition, constantly changing vision Story never certain, there is always a revision to be made When I think about the demons I have slayed I am not afraid of confrontation in vain To the people that seek evil, not as peaceful as I look What a warrior at heart, so precaution must be took What I'm trying to give in to the lessons that will soften my ways And means a changing, cause I talk to spirit often Tell me to stay sharp, tell me to stay present Tell me to ignore the fools and focus on a sin well, I said I will starve my ego and I will remain strong I will make mistakes and I will often be wrong When I'm perfectly imperfect and I'm only here to learn And all the evil on the path gets burned I said I'm perfectly imperfect and I'm only here to learn And all the evil on the path gets burned But there lies in the facets of everything that we see That are telling us to be scared When all we ever are is free I'm letting go of the things that don't serve me no more Cause I am holy and sacred and righteous and true And I deserve to be here and so do you
always come from the outside Try not to let it in where I reside Well this is my heart, my home, my choice My love, my life, my path, my voice But I feel my heart grow with each step Stand firm in where the path goes next When I know that where it goes is where I need to be The more lessons rain down, more blessings I see Realizing the facets of everything that we see That are telling us to be scared When all we ever are is free I'm letting go of the things that don't serve me no more Cause I am holy and sacred and righteous and true And I deserve to be here and so do you talking about everyone's favorite sphere of hot plasma, the sun. How we study it, why we fear it, and how it's going to go down when it all goes down. Hello, and welcome to I Need My Space. We're the show that tells you what's in the sky and what's on the horizon. Today is June 15th. Our old friend the Spring Triangle is migrating westward like it's in a Steinbeck novel. And we're going to be treated to some great views of Saturn. Keep an eye out for it over here in Ophiuchus. Ophiuchus is a constellation that we think doesn't get enough attention because it's totally badass. Here it looks like just a bunch of stars. But the ancients saw this. A buff guy fighting a snake. Or is he riding it? Or was he riding it and they started fighting? As we mentioned last week, tonight will be the best time this summer to view Saturn. If you have a telescope or a really good pair of binoculars, you might even be able to see a few of its moons. Now, we're already familiar with the Spring Triangle. But let's look a little closer. Arcturus, the brightest star in the triangle, is a red giant. This means that it's exhausted the hydrogen in its core and has begun thermonuclear fusion in its outer shell. As this happens, the star swells massively in diameter. Arcturus is particularly interesting because it's very similar to the star in our own solar system, Mr. Sun. It's roughly 25 times bigger, but its mass is almost the same. Looking at Arcturus is a chance to look into the future of our own sun. Our sun is what's known as a yellow dwarf. It's about 4.6 billion years old, making it roughly middle-aged in star years. In 1.1 billion years, its final aging process will begin. The sun will grow larger and hotter, wreaking havoc on Earth. The ice caps will melt, oceans will boil away, and all of the planet's water will be lost to space, turning the world into a fiery, crusty hellscape. But don't worry, it can't get any worse. Oh wait, I've just been informed, it will get worse. When the sun reaches its greatest point of expansion, it will envelop Mercury, Venus, and possibly reach the Earth's orbit. Well, shit. But that's billions of years from now. Let's talk about some more clear and present dangers that the sun poses. In the ultimate example of silent but deadly, a coronal mass ejection from the sun could trigger a devastating geomagnetic storm here on Earth, crippling our electricity and technology dependent world. What is the corona anyways? From the Latin for crown, the corona is the upper atmosphere of the sun. Looking at it with a normal telescope would be a good way to burn your eyes out, but many observatories have specially built telescopes designed to study the sun and help us learn more about the corona. 
a solar eclipse provides an even better opportunity to observe the corona from Earth. During this August's eclipse, scientists will study the corona, collect data on everything from the corona to luminosity to the corona to the relationship between surface temperatures and atmospheric changes in the corona. Corona, corona, corona. You're welcome. That's not true! I mean, I still, I still think people think that we've measured the distance to the sun. Nobody's measured the distance to the sun. The way they know the distance to the sun is because they calculated Venus going across it. And then, they, I mean, the whole thing, when you just, you just need to go back and look at how this is all crafted. Nobody's measured the distance to the sun, and nobody's measured the size of Venus, right? They just, it's all with their calculations, and, well, Venus is going across, and, and we're talking about in 1700, they're saying somebody observed Venus crossing the sun from two different locations on the Earth that are on completely different ends of the Earth. So how did they communicate? So you're talking about somebody who has to use a pendulum clock to calculate when it crossed, somebody else on the other side of the earth had to use the same tool, then they had to get in their little boat and travel for four months and then get together and talk, and we're supposed to believe that now? <laughs> it's ridiculous. Well, they, and the word we is the key here. When they say we, like we landed on the moon in 1969, we won the right. Super Bowl. It's like, no, you sat on the couch and you drank beer, or no, we didn't land on the moon, some people claim they did. They use the word we... And, and it, they make it into a collective achievement. So the moon landing is a source of cultural right. pride, and it's just vanity. It's all hearsay. Yeah, and it, again, even if you're somebody who I've had somebody come to me, how dare you question moon landings? My grandpa helped build the Saturn V. I'm like, fantastic. Can't say that. You, I mean, that'd be like me saying, I drove to Hawaii, and somebody said, no, you didn't. You can't. What? How dare you say? My grandfather worked on the muffler of that car. George, stop here. <laughs> of the world now look into space to the moon and to the planets beyond we choose to go to the moon not because they are easy but because they are hard you in the head well I want you to I want you to swear to get God on the Bible me. that you walked on the moon okay if you walked on the moon we're given the opportunity to swear to God that you walked on the moon I'm gonna give you the opportunity to get the hell knocked out of you don't leave me alone I'm the son of the water
Okay, class, today we will be looking at the proudest moment in American history, the Apollo 11 moon landing. Here we can see Neil Armstrong taking that historic first step and becoming the first man to walk on the moon. Yes, Timmy? Who shot that? What? Who shot that footage? What do you mean? Well, if Neil Armstrong was the first man on the moon, then who's holding the camera? It's one small step for man, one giant leap for man. Well, I... Who's out there with the camera? No, no, I know what you're asking. I'm just... Could have been like a, a tripod or... No, that's not. Oh. Hey, Mr. Teacherson, what can I do for you? Who shot the moon landing? Neil Armstrong. No, he was in it. I mean, who's holding the camera? Wait a minute, I know this. Um, it was... I have no idea. Yeah. What? I know. Hang on a second. Mr. Mayor, um, who shot the moon landing? Um, Buzz Aldrin. No, he was, uh, he was in the ship. I don't know. Alien? Wait, hold on one second. Thank you for calling the military. Hi, yes, I have a question. Don't ask, don't tell. Oh, uh, no, 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 no. Uh, who shot the moon landing? Obama residents! Uh, yes, Mr. President, um, who shot the moon landing? Who's asking that? Some kid from PS 139. Hold on! So why don't you just put the end to the record in the argument and put your hand on the Bible, <coughs> swear to God you walked on the moon. Mr. Cyber, yeah. knowing you, that's probably a fake Bible. I'm currently descending the ladder. Oh. I think I have a fucking rock in my shoe. Quit doing another take. This hurts. This hurts like a match. Whoa! So, my brother's a huge conspiracy theorist. And he is convinced that we never landed on the moon. And he's made me watch all these videos with like the little evidences and stuff, the flag is waving, etc. And for me, I don't have an opinion either way, but uh, secretly I kind of hope that we did fake the moon landing. Because to me, that would almost be more American than actually having put a man on the moon. But that, would be, that would be a bigger accomplishment in my book to have made a world superpower forfeit the Cold War on a hoax. Like, yeah! <laughs> In 70 years, I hope it's Ashton Kutcher who's like hosting the time when they open all the secret documents. Like, oh, Russia, you got pumped! <laughs>
that's an elaborate hoax. That would take a lot of, you know, it's like, I wish I could have been there, you know, fly on the wall during the proceedings, like when they're planning to, like, put together this elaborate hoax. Like, and, like, what would the casting call be like for this? You know, obviously they can't say what it is, but they're like, uh, yes, you, okay, um, show us your best moonwalk. What would you walk like if you were on the moon, let's say? Yeah. What is this for again? What about you, sir? Interesting moonwalk, uh, Mr. Uh, Jackson. I don't know why anti-gravity would make you walk like that, but uh, interesting interpretation. As I see, you're, you're willing to become white for the part, is that true? Uh, that's very important in this day and age. So. But this is also a true story. Uh, an organization recently went through the whole Freedom of Information Act uh, and all the paperwork necessary to have NASA release the original moon landing footage to have it examined. And uh, when NASA went for it, they couldn't find it, and then later discovered it had been taped over. Uh, well, that isn't suspicious. Okay. How can you tape over the moon landing? That's the only thing you've ever done! I'm like, how did that happen? They're like, uh, yeah, hey, Greg, could you look at the moon landing? The guys are here for it. Oh, is that what that was? Oh my. Well, you're talking to the wrong guy. Why don't you talk to the administrator at NASA? We're passengers. We're, we're guys going on a flight. I can see the earth from here. I don't hit people, but you're going to be on the deck unless you get well, I'm heading out. I appreciate it. Get the hell out of my house. One small snap for man. One big fart for mankind. Okay, let's do it again. Well, yeah, I mean, it is a science fiction series, but we, we were much more interested in, in writing the fiction. Than in knowing anything about the science, really. Yeah. I mean, you can literally study science for weeks before you're really on top of it. Yeah, and I had to do the links for a Dale Winton pilot. So, so sod it. Yeah. Last week on Space Trek and Wars. Captain's log, Thursday. Keep on driving ship. Done. <laughs> Captain, the little green men have made a hole in the silver wall with their laser thingy and now the space is getting in. Quick, everyone, put on those special motorcycle helmets we use for breathing with. We're humans. We breathe air, not space. <laughs> I'm the doctor around here, Captain, but as usual, you're right. Breathing space is incredibly bad for you. <laughs> My doctor's surgery on the ship is absolutely full of people who've accidentally got a lungful of space and are having to be made better on that modern machine that's a bit like the metal slidey thing that's the old way of doing a credit card. <laughs> what, where the person is the credit card and the blanket is the little slip of tracing paper or carbon paper? Yes, that's right. <laughs> where the engine is? Yes, Captain, I'm in the room with it now. Good. Are you in charge of making it work and things? Yes. Well, we need to get away from the thing that's going to blow up very quickly before we blow up too. Typically, the engine's broken. <sighs> I'm ordering you to fix it as quickly as possible. All right. <coughs> Done it. <laughs> that was actually faster than I expected. Thank you. Okay. 
Full speed. No, you, you have to do that from the bridge, by which I'm in the room you're in now. You, you've got the button. Oh, um, is it this one? <laughs> uh, no. Right, uh, let's try this one here. Oh! <laughs> yes, that's the one. Later I'll pop up and stick a Dymo label next to it. Well, it's certainly done the trick. I'm looking at the speedo now, and we're doing 150. Carefully you don't bump into a planet. <laughs> we're losing gravity, Captain. <laughs> oh, no! All the Dymo labels are floating off. How will we know what button does what? Well, there's only left, right, up, down and fire. True. <laughs> Computer, do a scan of the planet for what we're looking for. Well, I take your stuff and get the f*** out. Why don't you quote me and say it's bullshit? Sending the wrong... Ouch. The shadows in Iran... I don't give a... I don't give a damn about all that this is the shit of lunar orbit being falsified. Being falsified? Correct. We've got an unedited tape from a source at That's the Johnson Space Center. Yes. Totally nuts. I hurt my balls. I, I seriously wrecked myself. Uh, so you guys know, you guys know that they're gonna bomb the moon tomorrow? Yes. You know this. They're gonna bomb, say it out loud. They're gonna bomb the moon tomorrow. You heard this shit? They're gonna bomb the, you know why? To find out if there's water on the moon. They're gonna bomb it. Bomb it. Bomb. They're bombing the moon. You know what the moon controls? All the water in the world. Mm, not worth it. I don't know. Not, how about not this planet up? How about let's stop that? How about stop the moms with the SUVs that are driving around, talking on the... Stop that! The one mom with an SUV laughed. <laughs> That'll never happen! <laughs> I pay taxes! <laughs> and the about this is that it had to go through some stages of planning! There had to be some idiot white guys sitting around a table going, oh, I don't know. You know, if we do, yeah, they have to be white. <laughs> you ever seen a brown face in a NASA interview? No. No. They're gonna bomb the moon. And they, 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 this is what NASA, like, didn't we get rid of George Bush? Like, this is something that he'd think is like, ha, 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 ha. I don't know, what should we do tomorrow? Bomb the moon? Sure! <laughs> I thought Obama was a step up. We're bombing, bombing the moon. We're not sending people up there to take pictures. We're bombing the thing. What's gonna happen? They don't know, because it's never been done. They're gonna bomb it at 6.30 Eastern Time. So tomorrow, wake up at 5.30 and say goodbye to the people you love. <laughs> They're bombing it. They're gonna bomb it. This isn't even a joke. I heard it on the radio on my way here. They're bombing the moon! Bombing it! <laughs> Mr. Seibel, you do not deserve answers. If you show this publicly, you're open for a lawsuit. Okay?
no, I need to grow up. But, you know, I did some work on my inner child and he took a baseball bat to my inner seriousness. I'm currently looking for a new age workshop that will help me get in touch with my inner seriousness, but they don't seem to exist. governments are immoral and criminal institutions because they force everyone under threat of violence to pay mandatory taxes for life. There are hundreds of taxes, from property tax to income tax to inheritance tax. You must pay them all, or else the government will use the power and force of its machinery to seize your bank account, garnish your wages, and or arrest you and put you in jail. How is that any different than the Mafia? Governments demand we pay our dues regularly, promise us we'll be safe and protected if we do, and if we don't, agents come around to shake us down or put us away. If taxes were voluntary, then governments wouldn't automatically be immoral or criminal because they would be completely funded by donation only, thus their very existence limited by voluntarism. If governments actually did a good job and spent our money wisely, then people might willingly donate for social programs, roads, schools, etc. But when taxes are compulsory, and a huge percentage of them goes towards lining the pockets of politicians, 
I can't help but think privatization of social programs, road construction, schools, and everything else the government unsatisfactorily provides us would be better for society by letting the free market and small communities and neighborhoods decide instead of our immoral criminal governments. Another mandatory tax and despicable limitation that all governments enforce is our natural right to international travel. In reality, the world is one undivided whole. All divisions, such as countries and borders, are merely man-made thought constructs with no reality outside our minds. They are just arbitrary lines drawn on a map that governments are constantly changing. But everyone has to be born somewhere, so governments quickly brand you with the curse of nationality the instant you are born. Now I am American because I was born within the arbitrary borders of the fictional construct known as America. Since I'm American, but I've made the decision to live outside the arbitrary borders of the fictional construct I was born in, Thailand, I have a whole new series of taxes and government mandates that apply. I am required to carry around an expensive microchipped passport identification and check in with the immigration office every three months to fill out some paperwork and give them more money. Every six months to a year I am required to cross the arbitrary borders of the fictional construct known as Thailand into a neighboring tax farm's embassy where I must fill out more paperwork and give them yet more money for temporary visa stamps in my passport. To work abroad, governments require us slaves to submit work permits and pay annually for the privilege. The taxes and headaches never end. Thanks to being American, I'm actually lucky that I can live abroad at all and should be happy. Many people from less fortunate tax farms are completely restricted from traveling to or working in other more fortunate tax farms. Another one is land rights. How can you honestly claim to be a landowner when you have to pay property taxes every year for as long as you own it? If you own it, why do you still have to pay annual rental fees? The government holds the allodial titles and just issues you a slave deed. They maintain eminent domain and can plow over your home to build a highway anytime they please. Name one thing that governments provide that people couldn't do better, easier, and more efficiently, privately, at the community level. Name one reason why we have to run this never-ending hamster wheel of government mandate and taxation. There is nowhere on earth you can go that isn't controlled by a statist government. Every piece of land has been divided up and claimed by 196 nations, all of which are controlled by some form of forced governance. There is nowhere left on earth that sovereign, freedom-loving individuals can go live freely without a mafioso government forcing them to pay taxes and obey laws. No matter whether you live under a monarchy, an oligarchy, or a republic, whether it's called democracy, communism, socialism, or fascism, all current forms of government initiate and mandate violence and slavery upon their populations. We are all slaves to our governments because every nation forces under threat of violence and kidnapping that we must pay them a percentage of our income. In some countries, like Thailand, it's around 30%. America, 40-50%. to 50%. France is around 60%, not to mention hundreds of other smaller mandatory taxes which raise these figures even higher. So if the definition of slavery is forcefully taking 100% of someone's income, what is it called when governments forcefully take 60% of someone's income? Is that not slavery? What if they only take 30%? Is that still slavery? We are taught in school that slavery ended long ago, and it is universally understood that slavery is immoral. 
but if governments still are forcibly taking even 1% of their population's income, that is still slavery, and even 1% slavery is immoral. The very definition of the word government is mind control, and the vast majority of people worldwide, public and private sector alike, are absolutely mind-controlled by their governments, medias, and education systems to believe that their statist government is a moral and altruistic institution that exists for the benefit of the people. The reality is, of course, the opposite. The reality is that all nations are like open-air slave plantations, allowing their indentured servant populations to choose their occupation, giving the illusion of freedom, then swooping in on payday to steal the fruits of your labor. This is why all governments are criminal and immoral, and why the only system of just governance is anarchism, agorism, or voluntarism. There is no political solution to the problem of government. Voting for a new ceremonial figurehead every four years has never, will never, and could never create any significant lasting positive change because governments cannot be improved or made moral from within. There are too many vested interests and no statist system, be it monarchy, oligarchy, communism, democracy, republic, or dictatorship, none of them respect the right of the individual to opt out of being governed. When the mafia comes around to your business, they always befriend and promise to protect you, providing you pay and obey them. If you refuse to comply, however, the mafia burns your business to the ground. Similarly, all statist governments promise to help and protect their populations as long as we pay and obey. But if we don't, then they seize our asses and our assets and throw us in prison. The whole problem is giving one privileged class the legal right and obligation to commit violence and coercion against the rest of the population. All governments around the world initiate the use of violence in the form of police and coercion in the form of taxes against their populations and this is absolutely immoral and unacceptable. Consensual sex is moral because it is voluntary, whereas rape is immoral because it's forced. Similarly, things like charity donations and the free market are moral because they are voluntary, whereas theft and taxation are immoral because they are forced. The root problem festering within all governments around the world is not the rife internal corruption or criminality. Those are merely symptoms and side effects of statism. The paramount problem with government is that its mandates are mandatory, its compulsions are compulsory. For governments to be moral institutions, all taxes and interactions must be made voluntary. If governments are honestly in existence for our benefit, then they must be voluntary and never initiate the use of force against their populations. That kind of authoritarian violence and coercion is not allowed or acceptable in any other facet of our lives. We wouldn't put up with it. So why do we sheepishly line up to vote for a new puppet president every four years, thinking they are somehow going to make the mafia moral? Simply working for the government, whether you're a soldier, policeman, politician, or otherwise, your salary comes from the taxes the population are forced to pay, making you a criminal by proxy. Thus working for statist governments, like working for the mafia, is immoral and criminal because your paycheck comes from stolen money. In other words, all governments, everyone working for them and benefiting from their social programs, are like getaway drivers in a robbery. They may not have personally stolen your money, but your money is right there in their pockets. So who is responsible if not them? Uh, very powerful stuff. What more do you want?
that we lead and the one that we pray for Now give us balance on the past that there's no need to ask for more Between the love that we seek and the love that's already there Now let it soften my soul and focus my stare I said this life got me by the heart said it's in our vice Not too proud to go and seek advice When I know that I really ain't knowing nothing at all I said perhaps I do Made a transition and I finally got a clue But I ain't got a clue on what to do When I'm sitting and waiting and forming a plan With a taking my life in my hands Said that I am worthy No matter what they say, I have purpose When I'm following my dharma and I serve this Well, this is what I'm aiming for Everything I need and all that I am grateful for And this is where we find out how to live Make me the trees and I swear that I'll give Everything I can to keep air in your lungs Truth on your tongue, the work is never done Thank you. 
Now, go find the others.com. So that's our show. And remember, don't stare at the sun. The sun stares at you, peasant. <laughs>